even, even just hearing that song, um, The Heart of Worship, right? It strikes me like what I do is a lot of, as a pastor, you, you take the Bible, you take a section of scripture, and we tend to just like make it really complicated, you know? Use language that we don't normally use and definitions from foreign languages we don't use and profound cliches or statements or props or... And I'm guilty of all those things, but sometimes I think it, that simplicity of the truth of it is huge. It's, it makes all the difference in the world. And so, you know, this idea that we make it our life, we make everything about something else when it's really about God. It's about Jesus. It's about um, the people who gather here. Our hope in common should be that, not that things are always going to go well. Because I've had some bad weeks at my house. And some of you guys, I think, have too, right? Just some circumstance. Some... I use the word kind of crap. I know that might not be a clean word in your, sorry. I'm unrefined in that way, but it's just kind of kind of sucks. There's another word we might use. That sucks. So that happens. And if it's not, if it's about the things um, and not about Jesus, it's so easy to turn our eyes off of him and make it about the other things. Uh, so First John, we've been going through, and it's kind of challenging. It's an awesome letter, and, and it's a letter you know, written by John, one of, one of the disciples that walked with Jesus, a man who knew him, who was his friend. He's writing this as an older man to Christians, believers, church people, if you will. And, and so we... In the, the new church, as in the first century church, it makes a lot of sense that we can look at this letter and glean a lot of great knowledge and wisdom from it. And then you let the Holy Spirit take that, and he can change your life. And that's what we're, we're, we're hoping, we're trying to do. And so we, we've got to 1 John 4, and we're coming to the third go-round where John has been just harping on love and the importance of love. And so I said this last week, and this is kind of what's happening. If, if you miss that, we do have our sermons online. You'll be able to go back and listen to some of those. But, um, you know, when, you, when I was a kid, I would mow weed lots and stuff for people. And, and something I learned is, is sometimes you had to go over, in, a, in some parts of the country where it, that water falls from the sky, they have this green stuff. Here we got like yellow weeds, but they have grass. And you get these lawns. It's this word I've heard about lawns. And you have to mow, you have to cut those lawns. And when you're doing that, oftentimes, you have to go over it more than once. Sometimes from different angles to catch all the blades and to cut them down. And so this is what John's doing. And if it's good enough for John, it's good enough for us. And so we're, we're kind of going back over this idea of love and, and we keep expanding on it. So before we dig in today, uh, I'm an imperfect man. So my eyes have been... Um, bigger than my appetite over the past couple weeks. You know, I've been hitting you with two, two hours of love in two weeks. And so now it's coming back at it, trying to finish this section of scripture, you're going to get more. Okay? So it's, it's going to be fun or not, but it's going to be awesome either way. Okay, Lord, we just give this to you, Lord. We give you this time. Speak to us. I pray that this would mean something in our lives, that you would use it, Lord, um, 
to speak to your sons and daughters, that you would continue in this process, which is a long process, of transforming us so we're becoming more like you and less like the world. And so with that comes pain and sometimes suffering and sometimes joy, but in everything, you never leave us and forsake us. So we stand on that today. We come with open eyes and an open heart, Lord, Remove all the blinders from us. Remove all the distractions so we can hear from you. I pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Okay. So let, let me, let me uh, spell it out like this, okay? Think with me for a second. If you've got to scratch your head to do that, if that helps, do that. Okay. If love, right, we've been talking about love, and what it comes down to is you've heard this before if you've been around church or the Bible. God is love, right? You heard that? So we lose what that really means. If you, um, my son, when I was first preaching, it's kind of a funny story, and he's probably tired of me telling that, but he was honest, right? When you're small, two, three, you're honest. And he comes from a Sunday school class, and, and then they're talking about Adam and Eve. And the teacher's like telling my wife, uh, you'll never believe what your son said today in Sunday school when we asked about men and the women and what are the difference. He goes, you know what the difference between men and women is? And I'll probably tell the story wrong, but anyway, I thought it was pretty funny. And, and what he said to them was, well, men are bald and women have hair. And so, now that might not be true in everyone's situation. What he meant to say is real men are bald probably, but anyway, no. no the reality is he observed what was. And so when we say it's like that, when we say God is love, um, it's not something God is doing. I think we forget that. It's not an action that, it's not something God's having to be on his best behavior for. This is the awesomeness that just comes out of him, right? Awesomeness just comes out of him. Love just comes out of him. What he is, is love, okay? Now, so, let's pretend to be smarter than we are right now. If love, right, describes what God is like, and Jesus, because when they said, Jesus, when do we get to meet the Father? He's like, the fa- if you met me, you've met the Father. The Father and I are one. And so I can make that leap and say, Jesus is love. Well, whatever Jesus did in that moment, that was the loving thing to do. And, and it sounds okay until you really define love greater, then that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. And if I am, and you are, the whole point of this, we're coming together, I'm reminding you guys, that's my job. Your job is to be the church and, and to walk with Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit with a life that's changing. And because you're changing life, everyone you meet is going to get some of it on them. Okay? And hopefully they're going to like what happens and they're going to want to know what it is that makes your life different and what marks your life. And that is your savior. That is the love of God that comes from you. So your job, really, if you want a job, you want to be more like Christ. And if you want to be more like Christ, then you should want to be more like love because Christ is love. So every one of you should be looking at this and asking that question. I want to be like my father. I want to be like my Lord and Savior, Jesus. And they are love. I want to be love. Now, unfortunately, that doesn't come naturally to you and I. 
So there is this kind of uh, choice making that you have to do. You've got to make choices. What does love ask me, require me, demand me to do in this moment? It's a fair question. And no one person can give you a blanket answer. So you and I, there's nothing wrong with us as much as we don't want to strive and uh, strive and struggle. What we should want is to be loving at all times. Now, we, we, love, we love to self-deprecate, let ourselves out. I could never be perfectly loving. That may be so. However, I'm telling you, if you want to be a follower of Christ, you want to be like him. And so your, your uh, goal in every moment would be to do the loving thing. And when you fail, there's grace, forgiveness, and mercy. And then you get right back on the program of trying to do what love would ask you to do. Does that that make sense so far? Okay. Okay. You excited yet? It's going to even get, look, this is even more excited. Charts and graphs and stuff. Um, So this is just a redo of something I gave to you in case you didn't see it. You want to take a picture with your cell phone. Um, The problem we run into, we get talking about love, is really bad definitions. Love isn't always pleasing. Love isn't always passive. Love isn't always just nice words. There isn't a a certain tone of voice that's love. This might be hard to see. You can look at it online later. But it's this idea that love is certain things, right? Patience, it's kind, it rejoices with truth, it bears all things, believes all things, 1 Corinthians 13, guys, that's where a lot of this is coming from. It hopes all things, endures all things. Love covers all offenses. It could also be said that love covers a multitude of sins. Um, Love is giving yourself up for another. What love isn't or doesn't do, it doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not arrogant. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable. It's not resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Okay, that's that's biblical. When you're thinking about loving, at times it is. It's very patient. Sometimes it is very, oh, hi. Sometimes love is a hug. Right? Sometimes love is no. You know, Jesus turned over changing these changing tables, right, in the temple courtyard, and that seemed like a violent act. But I'm telling you, if you believe what the Bible says is true, what was testified to in the Bible, then that was the loving thing for him to do. And that might really make you excited when it comes to your definition of what love is, and that might also, for others, make it really troublesome. Um, So that leads to some other questions. Last week, we really hit this hard. I got a great question about this. Once again, when we're covering any topic, it's we want to look the best that we can to the whole of scriptural evidence to help us learn about this, right? So one question was about evil and evil in the world. And what do we do about it? Because when we tend to think of love in a passive way, then anything goes and everything is okay. Do whatever you want. I can't say no. Everything is okay to each their own. Live your best life now. These types of thoughts and feelings are very passive and not necessarily loving. Because remember, love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Okay. 
But here's the problem. I got to hit on this before we finish chapter four. Part of the problem is I'm telling you, observing the evil around us, which there is evil around us, right? Anyone, everyone see it? And if you believe what the Bible says, what it, what it will tell you is there's always evil around us and that you've been created and chosen for this time to live in this place, to deal with this particular cocktail of evil. Okay? And people, the other thing that we've been learning is people, you and I, with the choices that we make, we either perpetuate evil and lies or we perpetuate good and truth. And although when we fight against physicality, Paul told us that we're fighting against more than physicality, more, against, more than against flesh and blood, but spiritual battle. At, well, the spiritual uses the physical. The spiritual often uses the physical. So we observe the evil around us, and a couple things it causes, first of all, is fear. Right? Fear. And, and the word fear has to do not with just like a feeling, but actually um, an action at times. It can be a fleeing or, or a fright. And so you get afraid and so you lash out. You get afraid and so you run. You, you get afraid and so you cry. You get afraid and so you quit or you hide. So all the evil around us, we observe this and it causes us fear. The other thing that it says in Matthew 24 is that as lawlessness grows, the people of God will see the lawlessness, see the evil. It'll cause their love to grow cold. What does love growing cold look like? What's that? Like today. Yeah. Now, now I, I want I to I hit this home and make a good case for you because what I'm seeing in, in the society today, right, in the culture, and I have to speak to that. That's part of my job based on the scripture is that there is a lot of fear, but there's a lot of love grown cold. And even in myself, I have to catch myself being like so critical of something. And in particular, we've got two things at play. You don't become cynical. Yeah, you have to be careful you don't become cynical. There's two things at play. The world is changing, and so the garbage you were used to is changing, and so you become less comfortable with the evil, which in a way is is a blessing, right? Because we think, right, we look at, I haven't been alive during those times, but my but me, as a, as a guy who kind of grew up in the 90s, right, uh, the world kind of taught me, American history kind of taught me that, you know, if you look at the 1950s and the 1980s, morally, those seem to be better decades than the 60s and 70s. You see, that's how we look at it, but it's not true. It's just those generations got more comfortable with their own feces, okay, that they were sitting in is what it was. These Evil has been there. It's going to be there. Even when Jesus comes back and sets a thousand-year reign, evil is going to march upon the city until he destroys them. Until he loves people well enough to throw them in a lake of fire. That's loving. It is. doesn't make sense to me. Because I think love is polo shirts and talking in a high voice, right? But it's not. It's not teddy bears and hugs. It's not always that. Love is not rejoicing 
in evil, but standing for what's good. And so the, the effect is we have um, a cancel culture, right? Who all you want to do, you want to put yourself up by tearing others down. All that you know about Christians is what they're against, not what they're for. This is love grown cold. Okay. Well, I don't get it. Well, what do we do about evil? I know this guy. Jesus is his name, okay? I'm supposed to want to be like him. Let's see what he said. This is from John chapter 18. Let me give this to you. Because like I said, this is a huge problem. What I, what I can't have is my heart, and my, my heart to harden, my love to grow cold. And I can't live my life in fear, because if I do those two things, then I'm not going to live in the love that God called me to. Does that make sense? And so for you... You want to exterminate, destroy, smash anything that gets in between you and loving the way that God wants you to love. Okay? So in Jesus' time, what was the world like? What's that? The Romans were ruling the world, right? The, the, the part of the world where he was at. What was, so what was that like for a Jewish guy? Cruel, yeah. Yeah. Not fair. Not fair. Um, so the Jew, Jews, Jews were being uh, ruled and controlled over by a people that weren't theirs, their own, right? Um, and so their beliefs and the cultural beliefs were this in, in agreement or disagreement? Disagreement, right? Were people being hurt physically because of their beliefs? Yes. Um, was there murder? Yes. Was there sexual sin? Yes. Was there political government? Yes. Was there false teachers? Yes. Yes, okay. So we see a lot of parallels here. So it's fair enough for me to take you back in time to this. Jesus, he's been captured, right, by the Romans, but turned over by his own people. And so Pilate, who's got to decide what to do with this guy, because the people are demanding that he kills him. And if he doesn't kill this guy, what's, what's he afraid is going to happen? He's afraid. Civil unrest, right? This is not happy, okay? Like, you think people are mad about masks and vaccines. I mean, these guys are like going to kill you and uprise against your government if you don't do what they want. We're talking mob mentality we're just starting to see in America that we don't understand, okay? Um, they capture Jesus. He's talking to him, asking him these questions. Verse 36, rather than giving you the whole... Section, we'll start here. John 18, 36. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. You heard that one? You got the bumper sticker? Probably, right? His kingdom is not of this world. So you're a king. My kingdom's not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, hang on to this, hang on to this. Okay, listen. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting. They would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom's not of this world. So it's, it's so profound. Like, the Lord showed me this. Like, check it out, okay? You're living in a time that's not friendly to who, what you believe or to God. And please, 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 please understand and I say this with all the great love there. It sucks. I'm, I know, right? It, it stinks to see the evil in the world. 
It re- and this is making it harder than anything for people to believe. Because what you're saying is good doesn't seem to be good. What you're saying is fair doesn't seem to be fair in the world. And the things that you would believe others would call hateful. And it's very frustrating. But Jesus is like, get it. My people and my kingdom aren't of this world. I know you don't get it. You think because the world evils happened, it should be our job to rise up against it and stop it. If my kingdom were of this world, I would have them stop it. Then Pilate said to him, verse 37, so you're a king. And Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born. And for this purpose I've come into the world. Ooh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, this is where it helps. Because you heard that first part I said, and you think that we should do nothing about evil and you just let it happen. Right? Okay. Keep listening. Don't close your heart off because I didn't tell you what you want me to tell you. Okay? I know you don't, people don't like to hear what I'm saying, but it's right, right here from the scripture. So keep listening. Jesus himself, for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I've come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. So you don't have to eradicate evil from the world, but you testify and bear witness to truth. And especially at a time now, Paul had to address this too in in Romans 13. He said, all the leaders, all the rulers, all the authorities of this world and all its systems were actually appointed by God. I know, it blows your mind. The exact rulers throughout time who have done more harm to the people of God than anyone were appointed by God for that exact thing. In love. Even the evil ones, even the ones you disagree with. Okay, so, fact. Okay, fact. We're not responsible for removing evil from the world. I know that should be, but it's really not. It's, oh, you're getting angry right now. Um, Jesus will do that. He'll do it when the, when the time is right. But just know, just read this. It's going to keep getting worse and more evil before he stops it for good. Right? But here's the good news. If we're of the truth, we listen to Jesus. Do you see how Jesus, he didn't lie. He didn't tell the Romans, no, I agree with you, whatever you want to do. He didn't. He didn't tell the woman caught in adultery that it was okay that she was committing adultery, right? He didn't tell Matthew it was okay to keep being a tax collector, right? He didn't tell the woman at the well that the way that she was living was okay. He didn't tell 
the government officials what they were doing right. He didn't tell the rich young ruler that it was okay that his, his material things were more than important than anything. He didn't lie. He didn't rejoice in wrongdoing. He rejoiced in the truth. But he knew, even him, his job was not to transform the world in that moment, but only be faithful to those who the Lord sent him. So we don't rejoice in evil. We don't join evil. We flee for evil. And we live in a country where we can still vote, right? Where we can actually disagree with our government. And that's a blessing, right? But then at the same time, we go too far and then we hate everything and don't stand for anything. So in a time like ours, where you feel like many of the people feel the world is doing things that are unchristian and its moral values aren't in line with ours. Well, they were never in line with our Christian values. Supplies, okay. But now their morals and values are changing away from ours a little more, the general culture. If you don't like it, find an island and move there, okay. Or you can vote and don't let your love grow cold. Don't let your love grow cold. Don't be a person who's just against everything and loves nothing. So we don't join in evil. We don't say, no, it's okay to do whatever you want with your sexuality. We don't say that. We don't say drugs are okay. We don't say abuse is okay. We don't. But that's not the main thing. We, we trust Jesus. We know he's going to make things right. And the people who can't hear it can't hear it because they're spiritually blind, deaf, deaf, and dying, right? So you don't argue people into the kingdom of heaven. You don't debate them in. You don't yell at them for asking you to put a mask on because you think you've risen above that. You are. Your love doesn't grow cold. And what the last two years have shown is the Christian church's love has grown cold. And we're, we're siding with political views and we're siding with social justice issues. And that's fine and dandy, but that's become the major thing instead of the minor thing. My kingdom is not of this world. If it was, my people would be fighting. But I've come instead what they're fighting for is truth and good and to get as many people as they can into the kingdom of God. Not dependent on the kingdoms of this world to change their mind but depended on the king of kings and lord of lords to establish that kingdom. And when the time is right, he's going to come back for all of us. So we don't fight evil with another form of evil. We just don't. And so thank you, God, for sending people who want to be in uh, making movies, being people who want to be in political office, people who are teachers in schools, Right? You have policemen and firemen, and they're doing good, and they're rejoicing in truth and love and light, and thank you, God, for them. And he might be calling that to you, but this fellowship is not about them. It's about Jesus. And the people of God will be called to do things for God. But here's the other cool thing. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 6. Check this out. And you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. This is, the, this is the worker of lawlessness, right? The spirit of Antichrist that John's been talking about, it's already alive and well in our world, even though the Antichrist might not have been revealed yet. Seven, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, is it? Oh yeah, we see the lawlessness, right? And 
Only he who now restrains it will do so until he's out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed. So there's lots of opinions about this. But when I read this, I see that pretty clearly. What the idea here is that the Holy Spirit, one of the things the Holy Spirit is doing is keeping evil from overtaking the world. And until, until the time when the Father comes back to destroy it all, right? Until the appropriate time, the Holy Spirit's like, nah. It's like the little kid. You put your hand on their head and they're like trying to punch you and they just can't. I mean, they're, they're making wind, they're kicking, they're spitting a little bit, but they really can't destroy you because a more powerful one's holding them back. And that's what's happening right now. Even though you see this evil, the reason why you can do things that the world might think is, well, that's kind of like passive or lazy. It's like, no, it's trust. God is keeping evil right now in his power from overtaking this world. And there's still light in the world. There's still light in the world. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he's out of the way, and then the lawless one will be revealed. Uh Uh-oh, that sounds bad. Right, keep reading. Whom the Lord Jesus will kill (laughs) with the breath of his mouth. I mean, anyone got a really good evil laugh right there? Right? He's like, it's like that kid... You let him go, and then as soon as he does, Jesus knees him on the ground, and like, yeah, that was, that was a lot of energy you wasted, dude, and you had nothing. You had nothing on my Jesus. He blew your butt over with his breath, destroyed you. And what's funny is this. We are so dumb, right? Can we just be honest? We are so dumb. We're fighting each other. Like, the Holy Spirit has got this little kid penned out. Jesus is like, longer, longer, longer. He's going to come and blow on that kid, destroy him, and we're all fighting him. Who's going to tie the kid up? You're going to tie the kid up. Who's going to tie the kid up? Stop! Well, maybe if we elect this political, you know. Well, maybe this media, no. Well, maybe if we, no. Maybe if we could just stop this social, No. It doesn't say, um, he's keeping the evil one at bay until we can get rid of abortion. It didn't say that. He's keeping the evil one at bay till only conservative Christians run our country. No, it didn't say that. It's saying only until there's no murder or sexual sin. No. Sexual confusion is gone. Then he, no. None of that's going to stop. You don't stop standing for truth, but you stop freaking out. The Lord's got this. And I'm not just making this up like some feel-good pastor, okay? Please don't understand that. This is a scriptural case right here. There is evil. It's at bay, and it would take over the world and destroy everything if God didn't do something about it. But he's got it held at bay. And he will hold it at bay until he's ready, and then he'll let it go. But as soon as he does it, Jesus is going to destroy it with his breath. The Holy Spirit is keeping evil from doing its full work. So you and I can begin to look at one another and be like, (laughs) like the enemy, he thinks. He thinks he has us, and he just doesn't. I'm not falling for it. Like, 
either throw the entire Bible out and then you're really wasting your time here or believe what it says. And what it says right there is you and I shouldn't have to fear. And because he's doing this, because he has control, then we don't have to give in to fear and we don't have to let our love grow cold. Instead, we lean into that same power because your tendency will be to fear. Your tendency will be to be selfish and not be loving. And so it's going to take that same power, the power of God, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit that's alive in you to help you make those loving and non-fear-based choices every moment. And so we lean, I don't know a better way, I don't even know the right word what we do with it, right? Because it's in you if you're a believer and if you're hearing me and you're seeing this, I know that you're ready. And if you're not, it's okay. If you're not, it's okay. I'll keep saying it and when you're ready, you can go to him and he'll show you because he's showing me. Like, lean in that. It's there, like lean into it. Help me right now to do the most loving thing. Help me not to be afraid and not to oversimplify it, but it's, it's like we always do. My head hurts. Why does your head hurt? I don't care. Just make it go away. Take ibuprofen, it goes away. We can't do this. We, we look at an issue, a sin issue, and we say, this is the problem. No. The, the problem is deeper. There's a core problem with that. We, we're afraid because we don't trust. We don't trust, so we try to do something about it ourselves. It doesn't work, so we get frustrated and our love grows cold. That's why John can say all that to bring you back to 1 John 4. That's why John says there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. Fear should only exist when you go against God because he'll punish you. If you're with him, you shouldn't have the fear over that. You shouldn't be afraid to be alone. You shouldn't be afraid for health concerns. You shouldn't be afraid to be hungry. You shouldn't be afraid to be poor. You shouldn't be afraid not to be special. You shouldn't be afraid to be misunderstood. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So the more you fear, the less complete love has become in your life. In order for us to have that love, we have to receive his love first, right? It's because he first loved us. Okay. To back up, another point that I believe the Lord keeps hammering home is We want to say, oh, I get spiritual, I'm a spiritual person. Yes, sure. But really, you can only see the physical. You have this limitation. And so it's why God, who's the smartest of anyone, right? His ways are not our ways. That's why he says, I'm going to love you and love you so completely and send my spirit with you so that when when you um, need love, there's going to be people who are going to bring my love to you. Jesus, when did, we, when did we see you naked and not clothe you? Right? He's like, it wasn't me. It was the people you were doing it for on my behalf. That's love being more complete, love being more perfected. But if we're afraid and if our love has grown cold, we sit here and complain about how bad the world is and we try to do something about the world politically, but we do nothing about the people around us. 
Our energy has gone the wrong way. So then John drops a truth bomb here, John 4.20. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. I mean, what do they say? This is like John had to be... uh, I'm top, off the top of my head, but the guy was like 70, 80 years old when he wrote this. So if you're like 70, 80, 80 years old, I bet sometimes you get to the point where you're like, I'm tired of people pleasing and being wishy-washy. Let's just say how it is, right? He's like, you're a liar. You say you love God, but all you do is hate the world around you. You're a liar. Liar, liar, liar. I'm a liar. Dang, John. Yeah, it's true though, Will. It is. Like, do we even trust him? For he who does not love his brother whom he's seen cannot love the God who he's not seen. See, he hits it again. You think, we think we pretend to be better than and be able to rise above what we can see, but we really can't. Not 100%. Not 100%. And our God knows that. That's why he gives us physicality. That's why he gives us one another because we need to love our brother and sister. If we say we love God and we don't do that, then we're liars. And this commandment we have is from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. If you love God, you must love your brother. So I would say it to you like this. Love requires trust in Jesus. Rick, it's what you were saying, man. And it's, it hit me in such a profound way, brother, like talking about, to over, not to oversimplify it, but you look at Jesus' time on earth walking with these men and women and, and then how, how much growing they still had to do at his death, Right? And it wasn't until they received the Holy Spirit could they even understand what he was trying to teach them. And you could boil it down to this, the fact that he wanted them to trust him. He wanted him, them to have faith in him, to believe in him, because what they were going to do next, it was going to take that. And it's no different for you and I. If we want to walk with Christ, it's going to require that we trust him enough that we can love other people. Once again, Right? Too much scripture, Will. Good. Okay, John 6, 28. Then they said to him, they're talking to Jesus, right? This is what Jesus did. He had like thousands of people always listening to him talk. And they're like, yeah, yeah, hallelujah. That's right. Preach on, preach on, preach on. And then pretty soon, he'd get to the meat of it, and then it'd be like the 50 or 100 people left. Like, I don't know, that dude's crazy. He had me for a while when I thought I was just going to live my own life and stuff, but then he started saying weird crap and I'm out now. So that's what happened. So here's, here's this. They're saying, and they said to him, what must we do, Lord, to like, what must we do to follow you? What must we do to be Christians? What must we do to be in your father's kingdom? And then, then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who sent. So the word believe here, it actually could mean believe. It means like to trust, to think to be true, to be persuaded of, to credit to, to place confidence in. He's like, you want to do the work of God? Trust the one he sent. Trust the one he sent. 
So they said to him, verse 30, then what sign will you do? Right? This is us. Where's the physical? Show me the physical, Jesus. What sign will you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers had the manna in the wilderness, as it's written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst again. But I said to you, but I, but I, but I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. What's that mean, Well, That's like some weird language. So they're like, prove it, Jesus. What are you going to do? Our ancestors, man, God, they were in the wilderness. He protected them. He brought food, like bread from heaven. Like, what are you going to do to show us that you're from him? He's like, I'm bringing you bread, and it's the bread that you eat. When you're done with it, you'll never thirst or hunger again. They're like, yes, we want that. And he goes, that's me. You? Like, yeah, I'm the bread. You got to eat from me. Like, everything that you need to eat and drink, it'll be from me. I'm the bread. Okay. And then he's like, you've seen me and I told you and I see it. You don't believe. And what inevitably happened was a bunch of them went off and didn't believe. And hopefully later they did come to believe, but we don't know that. And so this is this now. You see, love's requirement is that we trust in Jesus. So here's my job. I'm bringing this to you because this is really, this is really something for consideration. This is something for meditation for those who want to follow Jesus. I want to follow Jesus' example. I've got to do a heck of a better job than I've done in the past. But here's one thing I know. He gave them the truth, some truth that was hard to swallow, even like that Jesus is the bread of life. And so what this means for you is there's lots of things to be afraid of, okay? There is. There's lots of things to be afraid of in this world, which is corrupt, evil, and dying, and in, in our lives, which have been corrupted, evil, and dying, and in your bodies, which have been corrupted, for evil and they're, they're dying. There's cancer and, and lowliness and unemployment and abuse and, and control and greed and all these things are at play. And all that with a, with a severe insecurity built in you because you're not living with your father God who you were designed to live with. And you are desperately trying to fill every one of these holes and overcome all that fear. And it's not going well for me or for you in doing this. So what John is trying to remind us, Jesus taught him, which he didn't see till later when the Holy Spirit really brought it to his heart, is Jesus is the one that we trust for everything. It doesn't matter how much that kid kicks and screams, he won't let him go until he's ready to destroy him. 
I don't, I, don't, I don't care how much you think he's coming for you. He's not getting past the Holy Spirit until it's destruction time. And in the meantime, let love perfect in you. Do the things that help you receive God's love and respond in obedience by doing what he said. This is what we'll talk next week. Respond by receiving his love and giving his love to others. And so really what I want you to do, it's no, it's no trick, okay? It's no trick. So look at me. We're about done. You guys did good. You did good, okay? I hope that your heart's ready to hear this. I needed to hear it and study it. Jesus will provide. Jesus can be trusted. Jesus is not fooled. You've got to trust him and you've got to love on his behalf. And evil is trying to keep you from loving on his behalf. And so what we have to do is take this, take this idea, meditate on it, okay? I'm not talking mystic stuff. We're talking sit with the Lord, ask him, ask the Holy Spirit to show you where your love is growing cold, where your heart is hardening, where you are not loving and trusting like love requires. Because let us become more of a people like Christ who love on his behalf the world around us instead of liars who say they love God but hate their brothers. Okay, so I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. They'll play some music because we, honestly, we like it that way. My brother Reggie will probably turn the lights down a little bit, not to trick you, but so that you're comfortable, okay? And then it's, it's simple. This is not a, a stupid game. Like, if you need someone to pray with you because God has spoken to you through this, this scriptures I brought, then, uh, you know, you got Randy and Sandy here. You got Josh and Laura in the back of the prayer wall. I'm up front. Like, we are in this together. Allow us not to be liars, but to not just say we love God, but actually show we love by God by loving you. And what if we could actually live into the purpose that we were given? You see, Christianity throughout history has always grown best when it's been opposed. But some might argue there's never been a more spoiled, entitled culture than ours. And so will we respond by pouting and kicking and throwing masks at people, or will we love like Christ loved? So let's, I'm going to start with prayer. We'll, we'll just go into that and have some time with the Lord. If you need some prayer, if, if there's something God's asking you to do, um, do it. Uh, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your word, which is alive. It's, uh, it's active. It's still going. Holy Spirit, you bring new life into this, and you are... It's like a sword. It just cuts, cuts through us, and it reveals into us certain things, and maybe for some of us, realizes our lack of trust in you. We, just, we aren't trusting you, Lord. If that's the case, uh, help us. Help us with our unbelief. Help us with our distrust. Holy Spirit, maybe it's cut through to the center of us and we can just see the anger. We can see a love grown cold.
Holy Spirit, just stew the fire in us. Not for anger, but the fire for love. Maybe it's the fear. The fear that we have of our own life and its outcomes. I I just pray that you would come touch us in that place, Lord. Whatever it is that you want to do in this time, Lord, I pray. In your name.